Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. And we might be a little bit down again this week, Mark. Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mach. I'm a little bit down this week because I'm not well, so I want lots of sympathy from our listeners, and I'm going to let you do all the talking because I've got a sore throat. Isn't that what normally happens? Pretty much, yeah. What is it? You're the intelligent one and I say the stupid things? Apparently so. That's that was your mate who said it, it wasn't my mate. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to happen. Um, I'm actually not that down this week. I know we got beat, but thought we played well. We did play well, but it was a very frustrating game, wasn't it? It was a frustrating game, um, and we're talking about the, the Tottenham game last Sunday. Yeah, we are, of course, uh, going to start off with a little bit of recap on that game, as we always do. Uh, and team news. You put me on a spot now. You can see I've got no iPad or no phone in front of me. You should have charged it in preparation. I should have, really, yeah, but I've come straight from work to this recording today. Uh, and we should all pro- so probably mention at this point that we're, uh, we're doing this podcast about three hours before kick-off against Crystal Palace, so we're going to do the podcast and go to the match, basically. We're going to do the podcast. Hopefully be all pumped up, go to the match, get brought back down to earth with a bump and do a little bit of recap, hopefully, on the way home. So That's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. That is the plan. Uh, yeah. But the, Tot- the Tottenham game, going on the back of the Villa game, uh, there was, uh, again... A few shouts for whether Stevie Naismith, Naismith should have it. Naismith? You Naismith, nearly yeah. said that. Naismith. Is uh, that the circumcised version of Stevie yeah. Naismith? Um, whether he should get a run up top? Yeah, it was a bit of a split opinion, wasn't it, on the page? We, we threw it out there last week. Um, and the answer was, he did get a run out up yep. front. So, Morales started on the right. Pina started again. Osman started. Uh, that was... Yeah, that, well, that was, change, the, that, was changes, wasn't it? that was the attack and four that we said you know was difficult to predict last week. Uh, everyone behind that was was the usual setup. Yeah, Coleman came back in, of course. Uh, Coleman in at right back. Um, the bench looked stronger than it has done in a while. Obviously, uh, Delafeu was back on the bench. Uh, the big man Traore was on the bench. Uh, no ideas why though, considering it doesn't look like he was fit enough to be on the bench. Um, and uh, obviously, Barkley dropped down to the bench as well. Yeah, so it was a pretty strong bench, uh, and we didn't look like we were going to need them to start off with, because we started off pretty brightly, didn't we, and we had a number of chances or efforts. I wouldn't say we had a number of chances, say Leon Osman oh, yeah, had a number Osmond. of chances. I'd say some of them were chances, some of them were just decent efforts. I thought we started the game really well, I, I really did, I thought, you know, it's easy to go away to, like, especially clubs down in London, and you know, be a bit cautious, try and quieten the crowd just by containing, but I thought we, we went out and, and we looked like we were having a real go, attacking Tottenham, keeping the ball in their half, lots of possession, uh, and, and carving out a few chances, but um, we just didn't have a finisher, did we, really? No, the best effort probably came from Osman, which was like a little bit of a uh, sliced volley, intentionally sliced, which was swinging away from Lloris in the goal. And he made a good save, pushed it around the post. Crack and save. He, you know, he's a, he's a good keeper, Loris, isn't he? But he tends to come off his line a bit too early for me, but crack and keeper. And uh, 
Yeah, I think that was that the first of three chances for Osman in quick su- succession, I think. I think he had the, the first one might have been the one where he kind of did that little Aussie shuffle and he, he kind of tried to bend it in with his left foot. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then he had that one. And there was a header as well. Uh, and there was one where it, it was just a little bit of a back pass. Yeah, but I think the header was from the corner that he, he did that one from. Right, you know, okay. The volley. So four chances in the first what, 10, 15 minutes, or four efforts in the first 10, 15 minutes. And I have to say that... Um, Naismith did quite well in that first in, in that first half. Yeah, yeah, he was holding the ball, link up play. holding the ball up well, finding players, good little, a couple of little interplays with Morales or Pinar. Uh, you know, Pinar seemed to be quite up for it in the first half. I thought, obviously, you know, ex Tottenham player didn't have the best of times at White Hart Lane. Looked like he had a point to prove. Seemed to be up for it, and yeah, you know, it was good attacking intricate play. But as I say. You know, even at that point when we were playing well, I felt like we were missing a centre-forward, a proper centre-forward. It was a funny one because we talked last week on our preview about how Tottenham uh, were more than likely going to play a 4-4-2 formation with two up top. Direct us right off, didn't he? Yeah, because Moussa Dembele came back in and played that little uh, off-the-striker role. And he's a good player, isn't he? But yeah, they, went, they obviously went with Adebayor up front, dropping Soldado down. I think they had Soldado and Defoe on the bench, didn't they, I think, for the game? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was more a 4-5-1, obviously, with the likes of uh, Eriksen, Paulinho, Dembele, who you already mentioned uh, in the midfield. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it looked like they were actually giving us quite a bit of respect, weren't they, by sort of... Matching a style in a certain way. Well, it was quite noticeable uh, because they didn't really have, didn't have a, a, a proper attempt on goal in in the entire first half. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I no, didn't know that. The first, the first shot on goal came in, you know, when it came. <laughs> One thing I will say that I, I thought I noticed in the in the first half was um, was Coleman. I, I thought, you know, whenever he w- we were breaking up the right, he looked as if he was just holding back slightly to me. You know, he didn't seem to be full out sprinting like he does. Maybe he 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 wasn't quite ready going into that game, and he was a bit worried about pulling something. Because I don't know what it was. He just seemed to be. I don't want to say he's fully committed, but he just seemed possibly a little bit anxious. I thought he still looked like an an absolute threat, though. And oh, he, he did. He did better than the other options. For obviously. I love that, and it was a couple of times again where he, he pushed into the box and you know looked dangerous, and people were scared to throw a tackle in on him. But it just seemed wow. to me like you know he didn't quite go at a hundred percent. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would just look that way on the TV because it's when you're watching it on the TV at White Hart Lane. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but it's a really funny camera angle. It's really high up. No, I can't say I have. No, not really noticed. Um, so, nil-nil at half-time, I, I think we had the better of it. Uh, we had the better of possession, as we as has become custom, really, hasn't it? Definitely definitely the better team in the first half. But uh, we, we didn't manage to get that goal. And in the second half, um, again, possession play. Uh, little, few little breaks. Not, nothing, nothing really of any real note. Um, but... It was, I think Roberto made the change. He brought Pinar off and brought Barkley on. And then a minute later, we're 1 0 down. We were, and I've got to say, I think during this game, none of the substitutions we made improved us. In fact, every time we made the substitution, I thought we got 
slightly worse. It, it, it seems to be really disjointed, but you know, like like a lot of games this season, it got to about the hour mark, and, and Stephen Pienaar looked like he was running in treacle. You know, he has tended to fade John. You know, after an hour in games this season, uh, and like you say, Eddie, he came on and suddenly we were uh, we were one down. It, it was it was a funny, not funny, ha ha. Obviously, because we, we we definitely were not laughing about it. But it was a it was a strange goal to concede because it looked like it looked like we could have had a free kick and then the ball bobbled a little bit by ten yards to I, can't, I don't know who it was in, in Tottenham possession, um, but Pinar was a judge to have uh, sorry uh, Naismith was a judge to have fouled him and I, I I you know I thought that free kick was debatable but while they're all you know kind of remonstrating with the ref and not really paying attention about fifteen yards away Kyle Walker's taking a Quick free kick and put a decent ball in through to Adebayor, who's a uh, you know Jagielka switched off. Adebayor's pulled off onto Coleman in, in a good position and controlled well and finished. Great finish, wasn't it? I, I think you've been a little bit unfair to Carl Walker there saying it was a decent little ball. I thought it was a cracking ball. It was dropped yeah. it right over the top, right into Adebayor's path, uh, and as you say, yeah, cracking you know inch perfect finish by Adebayor into the near post. Um, but you know, you've got to criticise the Blues for switching off. You really do, because in a Premier yeah. League, you can't afford to do that. You, you've got to, you've got to be switched on at all times. You know, there's a lot of clever players in the Premier League who can take quick free kicks. I mean, you know, and damage people. It's one of those. It's I think it's one of those as well, though, where sometimes our players are a little bit too honest for their own good because. Uh, how many times do we see players who but they've been blow up, blew up for a free kick, and when the kind of players trying to buy time, they'll do something like not kick the ball away, but stand over the ball or hold the ball while they're remonstrating with the ref. They just basically threw it back to Tottenham, who carried on with play. And no, you're right. How many times are we sat in a Gladys Street going, "Get out the way, you dirty," you know, so and so. If like you know, yeah. someone's standing over the ball, or you know. They're having a little word with the ref just to just to slow the time down and let, let people get back into position. Well, I mean, Clattenberg was just he was just watching the ball straight away, and everyone, all the players are on at him, and he's just watching the ball. And uh, yeah, Cal Walker just took took the free kick, and I don't know, I, I don't want to bitch about the referee on stuff like this, but how many times again do we get pulled up for taking free kicks from the wrong place? It's just well, it's you know it was an illegal free kick. No, I don't know. It was a moving ball, as well. I, I mean, this is this. Richard Keys came out on the day. Uh, was doing pundit chief, uh, you know, for whatever Abu Dhabi TV or whatever they're working these days, uh, and pointed out that under a certain rule in the game, uh, the free kick was illegal. I think it, I, I'm not sure what, whether it was due to a moving ball, but um, when you've looked back at the replay, it is actually an illegal free kick. It's, maybe you know it should be you, you can take it within five yards of the air, but it was a good way away. But you know we still shouldn't have switched off. So I mean there'll be a few of those gripes today, like uh, when we're talking about this, because there was a few decisions which let's just say uh, other clubs who were more fancied uh, might uh, might have been on the right end of the. At issue. the end of the day, the way I look at it is you can't control rogue decisions that go against you. That's out of your hands. That's yeah. in the hands of the referee. You know, you've got no saying that. What you can control is the fact that you switched on and you're organised at the back. Yeah. And that's what we failed to do. And we got punished for it. So, 
So yeah, so we we find ourselves basically find ourselves one nil down. We've been the better team, but we 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 have lacked uh, some like real incision. Uh, can you remember real clear cut opportunities for us? Um, well, obviously the penalty shout probably would have been a real yeah, clear cut opportunity. End, uh, the only one I can really think of is Morales had a great run, and he took players. You know, he, he was like he. he well, that was the still in the first half, wasn't it, Morales' run? Oh, oh, yeah, it was, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it was Morales had a run and Naismith ran off him. And you would just scream. Naismith was, like, really hanging on the shoulder of the last man, doing his best to stay on side, was screaming to be played through. Uh, and I was there screaming at the telly, you know, put him in, put him in. Uh, and Naismith, uh, sorry, Morales tried to beat about three players and ended up, uh, you know... A shot. Did he put a shot wide? Did he get a shot off? I can't remember now. I, I think he ended up just uh, screwing it over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and if you were Stevie Naismith in that position, you would have absolutely tore the strip off uh, Kevin Morales. Yeah, he did well. It was a great run, but you got to, you got, you've got to be, uh, you, you can't be that selfish there. It's a team, you know. He's, he's, he's Naismith is free. He's made, he, he's held his run well. He's pulled off his marker. He's got a free run on goal. Morales has drawn everything over his side. Just lay it off to him. That's that's one criticism I've got of Kevin Morales is that fact sometimes he can go for glory himself rather than, you know, for the benefit of the team. And I think I'm a bit worried at the moment that we're sort of collecting a few players like that. Uh, you know, McGeady, Delefeu. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and it could cause problems, really. Right, speaking of those two, <clears throat> uh, the changes came uh, again. Nine minutes, well, eight minutes after we conceded the goal. And surely at 1 0 down, with a big six foot eight centre forward on the bench, this is where we bring on a recognised striker? Yeah, well, we we saw Delafeo was warming up, and then so we knew he was going to come on, and then we're thinking, all right, okay, maybe change a little bit with Delafeo, and then we'll see Traore later on. Next thing, uh, next thing we know, McGeady's stripped and ready to go as, uh, as well, so he brought two wingers on. Like at the same time, which basically, you know, no Traore because you know that's our three subs. Uh, and we're chasing he, the game. And he took off Nate Smith and Pienaar at that point, was he? Uh, no, he took. Oh, so he took Pienaar off for Barkley. He took off Osman and Nate Smith. Yeah, and just I've got to. Probably our two better players of the. Well, you say our two better players, but when he took Nate Smith off, oh yeah, yeah Nate yeah. Smith was in the midst of possibly one of the worst five minutes of professional football I think I've ever seen. I think that's harsh, and no, but there was there was there was that step over. There was at least over. three balls that went up. But at this point, Nate Smith had sort of switched to playing on the left, and Morales seemed to be going through the middle a little bit more. Uh, and the ball came through to Naismith and there was one point where he did a step over and he nearly fell over the ball and he kicked it straight out into the touch. Uh, much to the delight of the Tottenham fans who started singing, your shit and you know you are, Adam. Uh, and his head and his confidence just seemed to drop immediately and then every time the ball got played into him, he just miscontrolled it or he, he gave it away and it, he just looked like his confidence was shot. I think he's on... Unf- he- He's become the scapegoat because of that failed step over. He's become the scapegoat for that result. No, I would have that. And in the, as you as you said in the first half, he was you know possibly our brightest player. So anyway, so as as we were saying, uh, Delafeo on. So that's quite quite a bright move. McGeady on as well. So two wingers, and we're chasing the game for two 
you know, one one who was playing striker and one who's had our best chances of the game. Not only would I say two wingers, I'd say two very similar wingers. However, from what I've seen of them so far, I would rate Delafeu higher than McGeady. As yeah. a bit more dangerous. Yeah, I, McGeady didn't really have any kind of impact. Delafeu had the ball a few times and he tried a few things, as did Barkley, who came on a little bit earlier. Um, but... I thought Barkley again seemed out of sorts. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I, I, I thought he just... Fitness shouldn't alter your decision-making. No, but that's true. But, you know, when you're a player at Ross Barkley's level, your brain tells you things that you think your feet should be able to do. But if your fitness isn't quite there, then you probably haven't got that speed of feet. I suppose, you to, suppose you're right, yeah. To carry the things out that you can usually do at full fitness. Yeah, so, I mean, can you remember, apart from the penalty incident which we will go to, can you remember anything else, any real, in, in, like, in note? All I, all I can remember was, you know, how frustrated we were that we, we didn't have a forward on the pitch or a, a striker on the pitch, and we're 1-0 down. And Tottenham take off a midfielder and bring Jermaine Defoe on and go 4-4-2, and they're 1-0 up. It's like... <laughs> it was just some weird logic, and I just I couldn't really. Well, get it, around. it worked for them, didn't it? Um, and obviously, you know, the, our only other glimmer of hope in the game was was the penalty shot. Yeah, and it was one of those. Again, I think a big club, a bigger, bigger club, top four club would have got that. I think Tottenham would have got that. It, it's so di- it's so difficult to do these things and try and be objective. It is, and. I try my best sometimes to do it, but seriously, that was a stonewall penalty. I'm not just saying this because I'm an Evertonian. If if that if that had been in our box and that was a Tottenham player, that was on Andros Townsend who had been brought down in that way. I'd have said it was a penalty to Tottenham. It was a stonewall penalty. So he, he cut in and he was going into the box. Whether he was stumbling, whether he was whatever, was the, he knocked the ball past the defender, and then the defender's leg. Took his legs out from under him. Trips him off. So, whether he's stumbling or whatever, that's a penalty, that's a foul. Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a foul. But the, because on, it's the only thing I can see being in the head of the referee is that Coleman was actually going away from goal at the time because he'd sort of cut in towards the byline yeah, so he? and then he'd, he'd come back and he was sort of running towards the edge of the box. That doesn't make it, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what direction you're running in. You get fouled in the box that's a penalty that was a foul so there's been a few conspiracy theories about uh, Clattenburg uh, again because he didn't referee one of our games for for seven years or something he's had two now first one he did alright but now he's uh, back to form really again I don't want to blame the ref but we're trying to cling to a few things of hope here I think it was one of them decisions where you don't want to give an away team a penalty with a few minutes left to go if you can avoid it yeah the referee wasn't the referee wasn't to blame for that defeat Uh, I mean I think the team were we We might have got the penalty and missed yeah yeah no yeah I just I think there was just no real apart from like the long ranges and the efforts from Osman just no real threat and it's, it's it, not, it was generally a decent team performance. You look around the team, and most players played well. Yeah, the defence played well. Baines got forward okay. Baines and PNR looked decent in partnership in the first half. 
Coleman and Morales looked dangerous on the right in the first half. You know, Naismith held the ball up well until he had that little bit of a, you know, funny five minutes that ended up with him going off. Um, and, you know, McCarthy and Barry were as solid as they usually are in the centre of the park. So, I, the only people I thought didn't play well when was the subs when he came on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you, you, your subs are meant to change it for the better, offer you a fresh option and maybe change the game. And they didn't. Or they maybe, you know, they maybe changed it for the worse, as you said. So, so it was a 1 0 defeat. And it meant Tottenham leapfrogged us into the fifth position. It did indeed. Um, and obviously, with other results of the weekend. Uh, the it, it wasn't the best weekend. It wasn't, no, because the shite absolutely destroyed Arsenal. Uh, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I saw their game. I really couldn't believe it. Um, and then, you know, they started to. to build up a little bit of a gap uh, in front of us now um, which is disappointing really and uh, the main question I've got for you is what, why it was Traore on the bench I I have no idea I mean we talk, we talk about this a few times is if a player is fit enough for the bench then he's got to be fit enough to play and maybe you know the, 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 it really was a minute by minute kind of decision Under, I don't see the for him to be on the bench, there must have been a circumstance in Roberto's mind where he thought, I could use him if this happens yeah, or if I need this. Maybe he, he Now, just what thought, could that circumstance be if it wasn't being 1-0 down with, tw- with 10 minutes ago? Maybe he just, maybe he just liked the shape of, and, maybe, and the shape of play that we were, you know, that, and he thought that we, if he just kept on knocking with that, line, that kind of setup with the s- small forwards... Kind of thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just really can't think why you got a forward on. But we said the same about Valios, though. But from 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 a lesser case, and Jelovic, you know, again, we just—it's one of those things. We, we're not we're not managers. You know, we we don't have to make these decisions. It's easy for us to say, you know, throw Hibbert on up front and give him a penalty in the last minute so we can score and we can all riot. But you know, it's not. Yeah, but my, my whole point is, if the lad isn't fit enough to even get on the pitch, then you're just wasting a substitute place. But, you know, you may as well have Conor McElhaney there or, you know, Velios. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people shouting out to, to, to give Velios a run. And, you know, what harm could it have done to, to have him on instead of McGeady, for instance, for the last 10 minutes? Just just know, you just can't anticipate that your subs will come on and not make, you know, and make that little of an impact it was you? very like for like substitutions though wasn't it really when you think about it that just that to me says that you liked the way we were playing well that that was a disappointment for me anyway and but our performance in general I didn't think was too disappointing when you look at okay we lost we were away to Spurs if you'd have told me at the start of the season that so far we'd have lost only four games this season and three of those games were away to Liverpool, away to Man City and away to Spurs. I'd have been quite impressed by that because I would have expected to lose them three games anyway. Yeah, it's just we, we promised so much more and on the day, Spurs were very much there for the taking, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, had, I, I'll have that. The ads, that one effort that they scored from, Jermaine Defoe had a bit of a breakaway effort which wasn't really the best shot from an angle. And uh, Adebayor had another one which whistled over the top. I can't really think of another chance they had. 
No, you're right, and um, you know it, it showed in when they picked man of the match at the end of the game on Sky. I think they went for Adebayo, and he he done nothing except score. And and even the commentator said, you know, it's not been a great performance by any stretch of the imagination, but he scored the winning goal. Well, that was enough then, wasn't it? So. So it, was an enter- it was a fairly entertaining game, I thought. It was pretty, you know, pretty free-flowing, wasn't it? Um, but, you know, we've got to move on. And, and like we did after the derby, we need to, you know, bounce back from the defeat. Um, and we don't have to wait too long, do we? No, I'd say a couple of hours away from kick-off. We're going to leave the Spurs game there and hopefully bounce back from that with some exciting news right after this little break. News! So we wanted to come in with some exciting news. And uh, all I could find was uh, big club, bigger clubs being linked with our players, little our lasses. It's not very exciting for us, that, is it, really? No. So the first one was uh, Arsenal are being linked with Gareth Barry and also with Delafeu. Yeah, I mean, you know, rumours started circulating this week that... Arsenal have had Barry watched in the last three performances for Everton and, and Wenger is thinking about making a bid uh, at the end of the, the season. Uh, I know it came out in the papers that Everton obviously tried to get Barry in the summer, uh, in the, the last transfer window, sorry, uh, and Barry decided that he wanted to keep his options open, which is a bit ominous, really. Um, that could just be a case of, you know, he just doesn't know where the circumstances will be at the end of the season, which is fair enough, and he wants to probably get the best financial package he can get, be that from Everton or, or wherever else. Um, the Delafeu rumour, I don't know where that came from, really. It was just a case that you know Arsenal had spoke to Barcelona and asked of his availability next season, and apparently Delafeu said that he wants to go back to Barcelona next season anyway, doesn't want to go back out on loan. Well, who can blame him? It's Barcelona. But... At the end of the day, it's up to the club, isn't it? And Barcelona may not think he... You know, is Delafeu going to walk back into that team and replace Messi? No. Is he going to walk back into that team and replace, you know, even, I don't know, Pedro? He's not, is he, at the moment? Cause he, no chance. He hasn't really proved anything so far this season. He's looked brilliant in flashes, but he's never had a, you know... How many minutes would you say he's probably built up over the season playing for Everton? If it's more than... I don't know, 300, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I, I think it's a maximum, maybe a maximum of like even two games, I think. Yeah, and, and a two few, full games. And a few cameo appearances, so, you know, I, there's still a chance I think he'll come back to Everton next season, uh, but I'm sure if Arsenal are looking to go in for loan for him, then, you know, the chances are that he may go there, because I'm sure Barcelona would like him to play there in front of big crowds and a team well, to play stylish football. Yeah, OK. Uh, another player who was linked with Arsenal and another club who I'll come to in a sec is Seamus Coleman. Uh, I've just seen a couple of headlines you know, on, on, news, on the News Now ticket saying that uh, Arsenal line up £20 million replacement for Sanya and so that's... And that was Seamus Coleman. That's Seamus Coleman. Well, Man United are meant to be lining up a twenty-five million pound bid for, or twenty million pound bid for Seamus Coleman as well, uh, and also been linked with uh, 
AC Milan. AC Milan, yeah. So AC Milan went from signing castoffs from QPR stroke form in Portsmouth and uh, and to, to Rath, who, who they've, they've signed this week. And he scored this week, didn't he? Yeah, if you have a look at the AC Milan team, they've got Tarapt, they've got Sully Montari. They did have Kevin Prince Boateng, who then they sold on. Um, you know, all right, they've got Balotelli, but you know, he didn't exactly set the world alight while he was here. Did he? You know, they are a bit of a. They do seem to be a bit of a dying club. Yeah, I'd go with that. So I think uh, you, you better stay in, staying with us, Seamus, if you're listening. Um, the other, can you at the moment the way things are? Can you see Coleman's head being turned in the summer? I I don't know. It, it, it's always difficult to, to read how uh, a player's loyalty, isn't it? Because we took him from, you know, uh, from 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 Ireland. I can't remember where, he, where did we sign him from. From Ireland? Yeah, from Ireland. <laughs> we we went uh, for what sixty thousand, and I think he, I'd like to hope he'd have a little bit of loyalty to us, but it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't, but I think when you look at him, he, he seems to enjoy life at Evan, doesn't he? He's, he's always active on Twitter and things, and he, and he seems to be happy at the club. And I mean, I can't see, for instance, Arsenal selling Sanya, who's had a good season, to buy Coleman. So if he goes to Arsenal, he'd probably be, you know, not playing every week. He'd be getting moved around with Sanya, big cover for Sanya, or, you know, sharing responsibilities. Probably a similar thing at Man United with Raphael there as well, so... Um, I can't see Coleman going in the summer. Yeah, no, I can't really. I mean, it'd have to be a big, big, big money move. And no, I mean, I he's it. obviously attracted attention, hasn't he, this season? Probably with his goals more than anything. Yeah, that's like, the thing. That's when when Les got moved, it was his goals that, not the fact that he was a great defender for a couple of seasons. His goals, his he, goals sold it for him. Well, he's and Coleman's a highest scoring defender or fullback at least in the in the Premier League this year, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Here's a question for you, a little, little quiz question. How many assists has Leighton Baines got this season? Just because you've asked me the question, I'm going to say zero. Zero is correct. Mad. <laughs> it's crazy that, isn't it? There's no way I would have, you know, I would have thought that was the answer. Yeah, well, just because you asked the question, I thought it's going to be a not a trick, but, you know. Um. <sighs> Final bit of exciting news for us, not, is, uh, well, that's, I suppose this is debatable at the moment. Lukaku uh, has once again reiterated that he uh, he needs Champions League football. No, he's ready for Champions League. He needs it and he's ready for it. And he needs a big... He's not ready for bloody Premier League football at the moment over the past few months' performance, is he? I don't, I don't know what... In his head, he's thinking, but he hasn't been great for Everton, you know, since probably, I don't know, where are we now? February, probably since November, the end of October, yeah. start of November. Yeah. So. He hasn't been great. So, you know, if he thinks he's going to, on current form, he's going to start for Chelsea next season or, you know, any one of the top clubs in, in, in England, he's deluded. We might we might be being a little bit harsh. I don't know. I mean, we, if you we, can refine the form he had at the start of the season, then you know, yeah, at the start of the season he looked like an absolute world beater. See, clubs might have found him out a little bit and played differently to to uh, you know to try and combat his game. But the top forwards still score. If you look at Aguero, and and um, you know if 
clubs change the game to try and combat what he offers, he'll still he'll still come up and he'll still because he's a top world class player. And Lukaku's just been found out and he's been in people's ass pocket for the last three months or so. I suppose you could also say that even though he wasn't scoring and he wasn't you know appearing to play well. Since he's been injured and gone out, uh, we haven't we had any decent results, really, have we? Okay, we beat Villa. Yeah, that was a ground ground out. We grounded the, the result out against Villa, um, but we have desperately missed the centre forward, which he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So. So yeah. So you you pay the money and. So what we're saying in this news is potentially then there's going to be nobody, no Delafeu and no Lukaku next season and no Coleman. And no Coleman. Possibly. It's a cheery old news section. Well, today. The, we've got one bit of exciting news. Is uh, Well, it's nice. nice uh, the, the, the club are um, moving the Dixie Dean statue back to its original home. What, centre-forward for Everton? <laughs> yeah. There's a, a centre-forward. Yeah, they're moving them back to what will be the gateway to Goodison Park, back in back on the corner of the grounds. So it's going back on the corner of Goodison Road and Walton Lane? Yes. Right, opposite the souvenir shop. Yes, so uh, back there, and that's going to, as I say, that's going to be uh, the gateway to Goodison. So, so the, those plans that they initially moved it for to build some sort of hospitality stroke museum complex... At the park end, have now definitely gone away. Yeah, where's the museum money, Bill? Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned this to you before to see if you'd heard anything on the grapevine, but the, I've seen a couple of little things circulating today about possibly there being some new plans in existence about the regeneration of Goodison. I can't say I've heard anything, to be honest. Well, we'll try and do some research into that and, and try and bring you something on a future podcast. Just, you know, it may just be rumour that we hear from time to time but there have been a few people talking about it so uh, we will definitely look into that um, something I wanted to mention today which I read just before and I forgot I forgot to mention it to you when we were doing That's our not like you, running order for the news Did you see that interview with Tony Pulis today oh that uh, Roberto Martinez was lucky to get the Everton job he was lucky to get the Everton job yeah I think basically Pulis saying was lucky to get any job basically saying that there was there's much more proven managers out there who should have been more deserving of a big job like Everton like him uh, like and Tony Pulis by anything Martinez getting a team relegated has then you know landed in one of the top jobs in England well, and mean, I would say your answer to that Tony Pulis is you know have a look at how we've been playing and that's why he got the job. Yeah, and he still won the FA Cup as well. And so. he doesn't wear stupid baseball caps. No, he's a dapper gent, is our uh, Roberto. Ain't? Tony Pulis is like the the opposite Roberto Martinez, isn't he? When you think about it, because Robbie's like proper suave and trendy, and Pulis is like someone's dad <laughs> in a stupid baseball cap and probably wears Lonsdale trainees from Sports Direct. Hey, I've got a pair. No, I haven't. <laughs> right, okay, so that was a rather fun-filled uh, news section. Uh, quite depressing. I'm starting to think now, is there any other managers I like in the Premier League? Because I'm always slagging Sam Allardyce off. Graveyard. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Um, and then Tony Pulis is on my list now. I don't particularly like Alan Pardew, I must admit. Why? He's a, hot... a wine and shit. He's horrible, isn't he? Yeah. And it's funny that they're getting stuffed every week at the moment. Um, I th- I, I'm quite partial to Mourinho, I must admit. Yeah, yeah. I hate that David Moyes. No, I don't hate him. 
I, st- I still like Wenger to, to be honest I think he's just I just I love the fact that he can never fasten his coat um, you think he'd the lame by now do you look like difficult coats to zip up then yeah. you have to start right down by your knees just, just just button it up instead just or just get a different coat you can't be short a few but why is he getting coats from the club shop but so the conclusion of that is uh, if Martinez gets the Barcelona job the only manager we can get to Mourinho because he's the only one I like and he uh, yeah. yeah go for that um, okay so that's the end of the news section um uh, coming up next will be uh, I'll give you the links for our social media because we've got a social media section and your views coming right up This is the Not Bitter Just Better Everton podcast If you haven't already go and like us on Facebook facebook.com slash EFC Not Bitter Just Better or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC Okay, so this is our relatively new feature on the, on, our, on the podcast. It's uh, our social media section. Which is just a posh name for reading things out from Facebook because we can't think of anything else to say. Right, yeah. Uh, so we've been putting a few questions out there and we've asked basically your feedback on them. And the first question of today uh, was, do you think we can finish fourth this season? And, as a second part of that question, do you think we can even hang on to top six? It was basically an optimistic way of asking, where are we going to finish the season, by only giving you the option of top six or top four. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it pretty much well, We're not going to get relegated, are we? No, we've got well over 40 points now. We're safe. Safe. So all you've got to, you've got to remember that. Um, so we'll start it on Facebook. Uh, and Carl Smith says, top six, yes, but no way fourth. We're not killing teams off. Okay, and yeah. a few people have liked that, so they obviously agree with Carl. I've got quite a, a few retweets and stuff off, off uh, Twitter, but uh, only one real like good response from it, which is from Jimmy EFC at Everton Jimmy. Uh, we will finish fifth and win the FA Cup. I'll take that. Would you take that? I'll take that now. Jimmy, done. That's a deal. Yeah, we'll have that. Uh, so, you got another Facebook one? Yeah, uh, Jake Connolly says, top six, easy. Optimistic. But this season has been mad, so I'm not giving up hope on, on the top four place. Starting with a win tonight, come on you blues. Well, that, I, <laughs> any kind of hope with the top four will be out the window unless we win tonight. I think even pushing top six, I, I, I just keep thinking, man, you are going to come good. Yeah, well, I do, but then, you know, do you see what they do last week against Fulham? And, and, and they don't beat them, you know, bottom of the league. So, as you said there, the season's been mad, hasn't it? And, and teams are losing and dropping points. I mean, you wouldn't have expected Chelsea to only draw with West Brom last night. Uh, but Big Vic popped up with a goal, didn't he? And, and saved West Brom another point, just so like he did big, against Liverpool. Big Vic last night... And uh, Jelovic at the weekend, and we haven't got a forward. Yeah. Mad that. And a TV score past Liverpool and Chelsea so far this season. Right, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm hijacking on the Facebook now as well. <laughs> Gavin McKinley, as much as I like top four, I think fifth in the Europa League would suit where we are at the moment and would be an acceptable improvement on last season. With no more injuries and a bit of luck, top five is achievable and maybe sneak in a cheeky FA Cup. Um, 
I, I think that is very, very achievable. And it's just the Europa League. It's just nobody takes it as serious as Champions League. And it would be... No, they don't. It's obviously a secondary competition, but I think we mentioned this before. I used to like the Thursday night games at Goodison. I enjoyed the Europa League. And it's, you know, it's better than nothing. We didn't suffer when we were in that, in that position. We didn't suffer like some sides do, like Swansea. Where they just basically they fell apart, haven't they? Because of those games, because of those extra games, we didn't suffer. Hopefully, we could put a squad together to make. I mean, counting our chickens, yeah, we might not even get it. Uh, but I think at the very least, we've got to aim for that Europa League. But we've mentioned it before as well. You know, if we were to bring some players in next season, similar to what we've done this season with the likes of Delafeu, you know, who and even the likes of McGeady now, who. At the moment, I haven't really got that much of a chance to, to get games under the belt if they're not getting picked for the Premier League games. You know, those Europa League games give you a bit more of a chance to, to bed your squad in and, and to, to give people a game. So I'd be happy with the Europa League next year, I would. I'd obviously clearly prefer the Champions League. So. Yeah. Uh, Michael Blakely, we can't kill teams off. The top four as now are better teams than us. Better players in areas where it matters most, which is up front. Uh, Spurs are pretty equal to ourselves, uh, but their upfront players can score when it matters. United might get it together. We can beat anyone on our day, though, which is why I think we'll win the cup, but finish as low as seventh or eighth. The first, well, the, maybe the second point you made there, Spurs again pretty equal. That's funny considering they've spent the best part of what 150 million over the summer, and we're pretty equal to us. The Recouped about 150 million. They did sell their best player by a country mile. Yeah, but they spent how many players did they buy who cost more than 20 million? It was like, wasn't there four or five players cost more than 20 million? And saying that we're, you know, equal to a, a squad or a side like that, then, you know, it's it's, all, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? I'll skip a couple to Carl Edwards. Top four is a big ask, the way the shite are playing. But what we've got to remember is, in the last month, we've had a lot of players out injured, which no team could cope with. I think we've done all right to still be in with a shout, and with the injured players coming back, anything is possible. So clearly, obviously, with Traore, with Lukaku coming back, giving us that option up front, uh, hopefully, you know, we can mount a, a considerable challenge in the second half of the season. Stuart Tag's always doom and gloom, isn't he? If you're listening, Stuart, smile, mate. Stuart, I think that was one of these... Trying to cry it. Yeah, he's definitely a glass half empty person who actually really thinks, I'm just going to play this down, but I think we'll be all right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, but he reckons seventh behind Spurs and Man U. I'm, but, you know, I'm torn between saying that as well, just because I, I keep expecting United to come good. And obviously Spurs beat us at the weekend, so it's difficult not to think like that, isn't it? I think everyone, but as I said before, everybody keeps saying, are United going to be all right now? Are United they got one matter? They're going to be, they're going to come good now. They keep not coming good. You know, if Van Persie gets injured tonight, potentially they're playing Arsenal tonight at the Emirates. So, you know, that could be a further three points behind us. United, I don't think we'll finish above us. Well, that's my opinion. Yeah, well. Uh, So, we'll move on from that. A couple of mentions for the shape playing well there, which is not what I want to be reading. Yeah, we don't don't really want to be... Either. While we're on that note, it's something I picked up from social media this week was 
Uh, Evertonians that like to bet on Liverpool to win and also like to pick Liverpool players for the fantasy football team. I just can't do it. It's 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 shocking behaviour. And anyone listening to this who does it, it's got to stop. Especially, we, we, we were gonna how can you bet on Liverpool? Because then Partier is wanting Liverpool to win. Yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Funnily enough, some lad asked me the other day, did I know any football tips? And I said, uh, Ty Anfield, that's a shit hole. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, do you know, you touched a little bit on fantasy football then. Do you think um, the reason we haven't done uh, any kind of updates on our own, not better, just better fantasy football league, this year has anything to do with the fact that we are both currently lingering in a ridiculously low position around the 40th <laughs> around 40th yeah we're both doing abysmally and I think that's possibly due to the fact that we refuse to uh, acknowledge the existence of Liverpool and it, and people like and everyone's got Suarez as the captain and it's absolutely made of us yeah so uh, okay, on to the next question. Uh, the second question for today's show was: Since we are playing tonight, what would be your best eleven for us at the moment? Uh, have you got any? I'm just coming into the question. Okay, so you can start. Jack Williams started off with, uh, and it's pretty, pretty, pretty much bread and butter. I think most of them bread and butter. They're all quite sensible, really. Howard Coleman, Jags, Distan Baines. That's a given. Uh, McCarthy, Barry. It's a given. So here's where it gets. Uh, Tricky. <laughs> Delafeu, Morales, McGeezy and Traore up front. Not all three up Well, front. I think, you know, Matt Roberto's come out and said Traore's not going to be fit, hasn't he? So, yeah, well, I, I, I said he's fit to make some kind of uh, contribution tonight. I think what we should have what we should have included here, what we should have called this question, was who would be your... From four. From four, yeah. Because the, 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 I think everybody's got the same... The same Front, uh, sorry, same back seven, which is obviously Howard Jackson. Well, no, thing. Joe Mulhern is actually saying, I oh, know, I'll tell a lie, yeah, he has. I <laughs> thought he didn't have McCarthy in for a second there. Um, but when you look through it, it is, it's so random, you know, it is just, no one could seem to decide between them same players. What I will notice is, I don't think a single person goes for Osman. Uh, Morales is in there in everyone's. Uh, Barkley isn't in everyone's. Pienaar doesn't f- feature in many. So we've got David. Right, let's just just just, just breathe through them. Jack, yeah, Jay Connolly uh, has gone for Pienaar, Barkley, Morales, and then Naismith up top. Uh, you can't fault his work rate, and as long as he gets the service, he's a decent finisher. Uh, David Ward's gone for McGeady, which I don't agree with. Uh, Pienaar, Barkley, Morales. I'd rather see Delafeu than McGeady. So, the way he's written this out, he's got that back four. Then he's got Barry McCarthy, two. McGeady and Pienaar, two. So I take it they're going to be wings. And then Barkley off Morales by the looks of it. Yeah, that's the way he looks like he wants to set up. Um, Joe Mulhern, McGeady, Barkley, Delafeu, Morales. Yeah. Uh, if Treor, Steve Nelson, if Treor is fit, him up top with Naismith behind and Morales and McGeady on the flanks. So uh, Barkley... Delafeu as impact subs. Right, okay. Um, yeah, and I say there's all varying one. Do you think it's funny that nobody's picked Osman? No. <laughs> but Osman had a decent first half against he's just, he's, he, If we're not in a winning, he's not a winning team. He, those type of players are the first to feel it, and, and Os, Osman will be, Naismith will be. 
they'll be the first to get made the scapegoat for it, unfortunately. That's not a reason not to pick them now, is it? Or, That's know. just the way it is. <laughs> unfortunately. A few people gone with Traore without seeing him play. It's funny, isn't it? It is funny, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've got no idea what to expect from him. Uh, I got a, I got an interesting one on Twitter. Uh, I shall share with you, right about uh, now. Richard Wright, Gary Naismith, Philippe Senderos, Johnny Heidinger, Phil Neville, Lee Tai, Billy Nethanov, Drenth, Baxter, Strakalesi, and Jermaine Beckford. That's our strongest eleven. Great team of half and Drenth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I, I, I think that might have been slightly tongue-in-cheek. That was off uh, Everton Jimmy again. <laughs> right, OK. So, I've got a funny feeling some of them players are left. Johnny Eisinger definitely has. Yeah, they're not all just sitting in a cupboard somewhere. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so... Not much, not, not a great variety, you know, apart from that last one. In, in You know, it's funny that it's just a given, those back seven, isn't it? There's no real variation on anyone's thoughts. It's like, does anyone think... Because we've had a little bit of debate between us about like whether this stands doing it, but after seeing the alternative options the other day... It's... Do you think in games like this against Palace, do you think we could possibly do with having one defensive midfielder and maybe having another creative player in there just to try and break it up? You know? I'd just give, I'd give... I think Barry and McCarthy are both good enough to tweak the game just a little bit and just uh, when, when, when we're defending drop in be holding and then push up when we're not do you want to know what my front four would be go on I'll tell you when we do the preview oh yeah okay fair enough um, okay so the final question of today was of course this is going to lead us right into the preview so uh, we'll give you your predictions for tonight and we'll talk about ours in the preview so uh, we'll just whiz through these, can't we? Because there's quite. A I'm few. not going to read out 25 of them. We'll just pick out the most ridiculous, shall we? Two. Yeah, well, Adam Campbell to start off with two nil Traore to come on and get one. What's ridiculous about that? Well, Traore to come on. Uh, Joseph McCulloch three nil. Yep. Uh, Reynold Es. Go on, Leathery. Leathery four nil Evan has to come a big win soon. Ian Watson, 5-0. Can you see what's going on here? They're going up each time by one. <sighs> Steve Nelson, I think 3-1. I hope 6-0. Well, yeah. Uh, Stuart Tomlinson, 2-0. Morales and Traore. Richard Roberts, one all. Can't see who's winning this one. Just going back to Steve Nelson, he makes a good point here. What we need to do is to really get at them. Kill them off in the first 30 minutes. They improved their squad last month, which uh, you know we will go into in a little bit again on the preview because uh, their new signings made an instant impact last weekend. Uh, and what he goes on to say, they might fancy their chances. We need to bully them into submission, then piss all over them. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Fight and talk, that's the good lad. Uh, that's what a top four team should be doing. And that is what the likes of Liverpool are doing at the moment, isn't it? Uh, Palace, though. Uh, Palace are on a, quite a good run, aren't they? They've really had a little bit of a resurgence. You're giving they? away our preview here. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Right here. Uh, Mark Wright. Who's, uh, on Mark t- Wright, didn't he used to play for Liverpool? Mark Remember Wright. him? Horrible ginger, horrible. Mark Wright, UK88. He reckons we'll do a 2-1. Simo, 1878. 1-0. Uh, 
and Rossi FC ninety five three one to the Mighty Blues. They're all Twitter followers. So um, a couple of people went uh, went too optimistic about tonight, unfortunately. So we shall come back in a sec and we'll give you our thoughts on not only tonight's game but also the cup game coming up the weekend. Just before we do go though, I've got another social media related thing. Um, it's something you just told me about actually. Apparently some of our listeners have been uh, have been sending messages to Alan Myers. Oh yeah, cheers for that boys. Um, yeah, trying to get was like in the Everton loop so to speak. Is you know, we, we do have quite a few listeners and we think we offer uh, a different view than what the other uh, like media out- what did you say media outlets well yeah media outlets yeah because you know we're, we're, just, to, you we're know, just fans we're, we're just fans who sit in the lower Gladys and you know we, we we occasionally get to talk to Everton legends and you know and we offer our two pence worth so it'd be nice to be involved wouldn't it it would, yeah, and, and just on that note, uh, anyone who's took the time to, you know, to send a message to Alan Myers on our behalf, um, thanks a lot, because you've got no reason to... to so, no, we didn't ask you to do to it. To use so, your own time yeah, to do that. Cheers for that. Um, but now we are asking, so if anyone else wants to do it... <laughs> yeah, get on it. Get, get on, on it. it. Get us in there, and if we can, we'll take a listener with us one day. And if we don't be saying, don't be making anything. false promises. Well, why not? Well, we'll just say there's three of us. We need a sound engineer, and we'll, we'll blag one of our listeners in uh, to. Just I don't, don't know. Just don't Mister Myers doesn't listen to this one. To Duncan <laughs> Ferguson's birthday party or something. I don't know. Whatever we get invited to. So uh, anyway, just a little thank you for anyone who's done that. Yep. So back in a sec with all uh, all the preview for our upcoming games. This is Bob Latchman. I'm not bitter, just better. Right, with recording this on the Wednesday, it's going to make things a little bit awkward because uh, obviously the podcast isn't released until Thursday. So when it, if we don't do, if we're going to do a preview of the Palace game now, and you'll already all know the result. So we're going to talk about it beforehand, and then we're hopefully going to do a little bit of recap afterwards as well, which we're going to tag on to the end of the podcast. Uh, but first of all, just because we, we do it b- before every game, really, we want to talk about like our thoughts on who might come in, and you're going to give a prediction, aren't you, Mark? I, I know what's happening here, and you've just confused me with that explanation. So basically, we're going to do a Palace preview now. Yes. Then we'll continue on with our usual weekend preview, and then after the end of the podcast, there should be a little bit from the two of us. Hopefully. Talking about the Palace game. Hopefully. Hopefully. But if you get to the end music and you don't hear anything afterwards, it's because we probably got beat and we've decided to storm off and throw our phones at somebody. Yeah, so hopefully that's not the case. But first of all, first of all um, let's just have a little look at Palace. Uh, first of all, the away fixture was one of the more frustrating ones uh, during the Martinez period, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Uh, I think at the time, Palace were in... Uh, a much worse position than they are at the moment, really. Were they bottom of the league at the time? Yeah, I think they I think were just really possibly far were, gone, or yeah, they were yeah. at least second to bottom. Uh, they were looking, you know, bereft of any quality in the team, uh, and we were flying at the time. And we, you know, the Blues went down to Selhurst Park, uh, which is a bit of a, a throwback to some grounds from the seventies and the eighties, I think. 
um, expecting to get three points, and it didn't. Expecting was the, the right well, yeah. term. Everybody, completely and I'm hope, expecting. I hope people can remember that a little bit tonight. Yeah, to get three points, and it didn't pan out that way, did it? No, it was a it was a very very drab nil nil. There were a couple of efforts, but that's it. Uh, and I think Palace even had the better efforts of the game. So we were lucky to even get a nil nil in the end. We were, and as I've alluded to since then, I mean Palace have, you know, they've got rid of Holloway, tit, uh, and in has come Tony Pulis as manager, uh, and they've basically gone from strength to strength since then, haven't they? I mean, we you know we gave Pulis a little bit of, uh, you know, grief earlier on our podcast, but you've got to you've got to, you know. Admire what he's done since he's gone in a palace. Up to 15th. 15th and doing well, you know, winning games, putting strings of wins together. Just noticed here that, you know, we talked we talked a little bit last couple of weeks about the whole bottom half of the table. Well, up until 10th, you know, they're Palace of 15th, they're two points off West Ham in 10th. And <laughs> there's a little bit of jump up to 9th in Newcastle. Um, but well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, Crystal Palace take three points from us today and they're in 10th. Yeah. So Sunderland they jumped up by half the league. Sunderland jumped up a little bit. You know, the only real like the, the people who've slid down are Fulham and Cardiff a little bit. So it's a mad one, and you know they're playing well. Was it three one? Three one they won at the weekend. It was, uh, and what was more impressive about the three one win over West Brom was the fact that you know they brought in new signings who made an instant impact. They had you know a vet. Well, what I thought was a very good transfer window uh, in January. They brought in you know, a player who's been heavily linked with Everton, Tom Ince. Comes in on his debut, scores after 15 minutes. He then goes on to set up a second goal, which is scored by another new signing and Joe Ledley, who was linked with the Blues quite a number of years ago before he signed for Celtic. Uh, and then Marouan Shamak, who's, who's doing well for them at the moment. Or from, all know, right, yeah, yeah. He was, you know... Looked completely lost at Arsenal, didn't he? And didn't look like he was a Premiership player in a million years. But, you know, he's doing well leading the line for Palace at the moment. Uh, and as both Chelsea, Liverpool and ourselves have seen recently, West Brom aren't an easy team to beat. And Palace have done a 3-1 at the weekend. Yeah, so it's not going to be a, a walk in the park tonight. No, it's not. It's not at all. The conditions aren't great. You know, it's blowing a gale everywhere. Um so, you know, uh, that might really be a factor as well. You know, if we try and play, you know, good football, we, you know, the ball might be blowing about all over the place. Yeah, so. I love that all the time. Um, you know, and what Pulis has done is he's got them organised, as he always does. So they've basically gone to, you know, a flat back four, a flat midfield four, and then a number nine striker playing off a number ten, basically. Um, as we say, Shamak up front. Uh, Jason Punchin usually plays in behind him and runs the channels, tries to cause defences problems with his pace. Uh, so I think Distan will probably have to watch him today. Uh, and then the, the four of, of Vince, uh, Balassi, uh, Joe Ledley, and Jadnach, who Paul played in the last game. Uh, my man to watch, I think he was possibly my man to watch in the first game as well, is Jadnach again. Uh, Australian international teammate Tim Cale uh, and has won Australia's player of the year for the last two seasons Yeah, uh, so, so decent battle in midfield 
Uh, keeps them organised and you know he's someone that we need to win the midfield battle against. It's going to be a very different game than the Tottenham game, isn't it? It's going to be a, a lot more of a battle. Tottenham. I think they will be more than happy with a point to Goodison. So I think they will, will be not. very difficult to break down. They'll be organised. There'll be two banks of four. But then they have got pace up front. They've got pace in punching. They've got pace in ints. Uh, but last year, the other lad out on the right wing, I think, won their player of the season when he came up promotion last season. So they have got a bit of pace there, you know, and they could catch us on the break potentially. Is, this, is Scott Dan centre back? Was he was he was Scott decent. Dan came in in January. He was as well, decent yeah. a few years ago. So he, you know, he, he, you just don't become rubbish overnight, do you? So he, he could be if he's back into he's got some decent form again. He knows what it's like to battle. Um, what my worry is, is we went through predictions before and we were getting 3 nils, 4 nils, 5 nils. I just can't see it being that easy. I think it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, we're recording this now at uh, 10 to 6 in the evening uh, and there's people texting me here saying they think the game might be getting called off because of you know, the weather. It is blowing an absolute gale outside. It is not going to be good weather for playing nice football in. Do you think if Traore is looking at this, making his debut in a game like this? I think he could get blown over. <laughs> He'd be like, I hope it doesn't start thunder and lightning because you'll get, he, you'll get it. He's surely a, a very attractive proposition to a ball to lightning. But yeah, um, I'm gonna. I think we will win, but I think it's going to be tight, and I could see it possibly being two-one to Everton. Okay, um, what about uh, who do you think will start? And those we, we know that we know those seven. Who do you think is going to? Looking at the Everton side, we've been getting very mixed messages this week about Traore, haven't we? You know, he's saying he's not fit enough. He is fit enough. <laughs> I can't see him starting. If he was going to start tonight, I think he would have got ten, fifteen minutes against Tottenham. So I can see Traore being on the bench again tonight. Uh, I think we will go probably with. I think he'll probably start Morales up front again. I think he'll try that again at home. Uh, and I could see maybe Pienaar on the left and Delafeu on the right. I think I think he's not going to risk Barkley. I think he'll go with Osman, Pienaar, Delafeu, and I think he'll go with Morales up the top as well. Yeah. I, I, I put this out on... I don't know whether I put this out on Facebook through the week or Twitter. I think it was Facebook. Um... Is Delafeo worth a shot up top? I don't think he could hold the ball up. I think he'd be great on he'd the counter attack. And if, if others he, could switch with him. He would. And if we were the type of team who played really deep and then played out of our own half and tried to catch people on the break with pace, then possibly, you know, we know he could run from the halfway line, take on a player and then finish. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I don't think... He could hold a ball up. I think he'd be less effective than Morales is. Yeah, possibly. Uh, so you're going for a 2-1. Uh, just the way things are going at the moment, I, I think Everton fans would be happy with that. Any win, wouldn't it? I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take anything tonight. I'd take a scrawny 1-0 penalty in the last minute. Okay. Um, but obviously, as we say, the game is coming up very soon. So, if listening to the podcast, uh, we should be able to tell you the result in about 10, 15 minutes' time. Yeah. 
it's funny these 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 well Wednesdays Wednesdays used to be like a you know a typical game night didn't it but it just doesn't really happen anymore and it really throws us out so we'll be back in a sec with a just look think ahead. how Sorry to interrupt, but just think how confusing doing a podcast is going to be next year if we do get into Europa League and we're playing oh, Thursday. Well, we could do our preview show, but then you'd have to wait. Yeah, we to... might have to go to two podcasts a week and do a European podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to look into that. But we're going to be back in a sec again with our preview for the Swansea game at the weekend. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to do it anyway. Let's do it. I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. Right, time for our second preview of the podcast. First, if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube. Oh yeah, I forgot. A big hello Hi, to YouTube. our YouTube listeners or watchers. What are they, listeners or watchers? Well, did you just watch stills of our <laughs> JPEGs from our Facebook page uh, of random funny Everton stuff? Um, so, they're probably just listeners. Right, okay. Well, hello to our YouTube listeners. Uh, and if you've been listening for the last hour, thanks for sticking with us. Um, our usual weekend preview now. Uh, we're playing Sunday again, half one kickoff. Um, a nice little home FA Cup tie, which is what we all wanted when the door happened. Yeah. So as we said before, fifth round. You know, if we get through this, it's quarters. One one game away from Wembley. Yeah, and by no means though does that mean we're going to, we should take this game lightly at all. Uh, Swansea have already knocked out Manu in the third round. They had what could have been a tricky away game, Birmingham in the last round, and he beat them 2-1. So it's not just... A, and obviously, they won the League Cup last year. It's not going to be a walkover, is it? Decent cup side, decent football inside. I think, you know, this season, a lot of people have sort of, you know, their opinions on Swansea have dipped a little bit because they haven't done particularly well in the league. Um, they're only actually one point out of the Crystal Palace at the moment um, on 27 points in the league. Um, but what you have got to remember is they've been missing, you know, the likes of Michu, who was so important for them last season. Um, and as per what usually happens when Everton gets somebody in a cup tie, uh, they've had to change of manager. Well, they've sacked Lard up anyway, uh, and at the moment they're playing with a, an interim manager in Gary Monk, uh, and straight away that paid off for them last weekend. Yeah, so of of course you know that that kind of new manager effect, but not only the new manager effect. It's someone who's been at Swansea basically since year dot, and he was like you know throughout the club he was like he was captain like in, in, when they were like really lower down in the leagues. So for somebody who kind of ble- bleeds Swansea, doesn't he? And uh, he yeah he, he just happened to get a three uh, nil win over the rivals at the weekend in his first game in charge. So. He Gary monked all over them, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. That's what he did uh, with Swansea three 0 winners against their, you know, bitter rivals Cardiff, um, and you know, you just look at the goal scorers there, Routledge and Dyer, who've been at Swansea now for a while, and we know can uh, can hear teams with the pace from wide positions, uh, and uh, the the Swansea version of Lukaku winning for a brony, yeah, uh, popped up with one towards he him. Looks the game decent, him, but he, he, the thing is, he looks decent. But he hasn't made the same kind of impact that Michu did, and that's what's hurt them a little bit, I think. They're different players, though, aren't they? I actually think Boney's a decent player. You know, I, I quite rate him. Um, but you look at how they've set up... Um, I don't really like using this term, but I would say the Everton formation. Uh, that's how they lined up last weekend, anyway, against against Cardiff. 
Uh, and that's obviously four defenders, two older midfielders, three attacker midfielders and a lone striker. Um, and they've, they've got quality all over the pitch. Um, they've took Martin Emner's uh, Dutch sort of attacking midfielder on, from Middlesbrough. I think, he was at Middlesbrough, I remember, and then I think he went somewhere else. Maybe he went to Bolton or somewhere. But they've stepped him up to the Premier League anyway after the previous loan period. Uh, and he's coming to the side and can be a threat. He wears shirt number 57. You don't see many 57s. No. Now, about, do you? Is his nickname Heinz? <laughs> I like it. Could be. Um, you know, solid enough for centre-half with Chico Flores. Would you say he was solid? Oh, he's just a bit of a drama queen, isn't he? Uh, and Ashley Williams, he's a decent player. Decent, yeah. Vorm's uh, back in goal for them now after yeah. being injured he's, early uh, in the season. We talked about him when we did the preview uh, for the away match. He's good shot stopper, isn't he? Decent keeper. And you can never do a preview of a Swansea game without mentioning... The best named player in the world. Angel Rangel. Angel Rangel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my man to watch, actually, is going to be Leon Britton. Leon Britton. He's, he's in and out, isn't he? He's very similar to another Leon. He is. Uh, a Leon that we know very well. Uh, Leon Osman. And I think he's very much... Because he, he's come through uh, at Swansea and he's been there a part of it for... Sorry, he came through at Chelsea, didn't he? But because he was part of uh, Swansea during their kind of rise he's very very highly thought of whereas our Leon isn't unfortunately when Leon Britton is on form you know he's a bit like Paul Scholes in just the way that he, he gets the ball so often he, do, he makes everything look really simple you know he doesn't do anything flash but he must be a joy for other midfielders to play for to play with sorry because mm. he just receive the ball lay it off look for players to find pay a bit of space, knock the ball through to them. So if he, he he can cut midfields open. I've just got a little question for you now. You said they're playing the Everton formation. Yeah. But given the rise, the fall and rise of Swansea, that you know, the documentary, and when Roberto went in there and changed the whole philosophy about the club, are we not playing the Swansea formation? Because that's it seems to have changed the You're whole. Probably club. right. I think we're both playing the Roberto Martinez yeah, formation. Yeah, so. is what I think we're both playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we always say this because we've got a game tonight. It's very difficult for us to predict the Everton team at the weekend because we don't know how we're going to come through tonight. Uh, we, we we know fitness uh, aside, we know that seven of those players are going to be. Say. Yes, we do. So we know it's we know it's going to be Howard. We know it's going to be the same back four of Baines, Coleman, Distan, and Jack Elka. We know it's going to be. Barry we say McCarthy. this every week. We, but you know, this is just for the sake of the the YouTube people who are joining us. Um, but the interesting debate there is, you know, is Traore going to make it tonight? If he doesn't make it tonight, surely he's got to make it for Sunday. I've gone on record by saying I don't think he'll start tonight, but I think we will see him at some point. If we do see him, if he gets a good 15, 20 minutes, I think there's a good chance he may start at the weekend. Um, again, that's all dependent on what happens tonight. I don't think Lukaku... Lukaku's supposedly a week away. I think the Swansea Not game may come a bit quickly for him. Possibly might make the bench for Swansea. Possibly. Um, other than that, I don't think there's anyone else to really come back in. Alcaraz is back in training, but I, I think we can add one other name to the the, the the seven. I think Morales, whether he's going to be up top or uh, on the right wing, I think he's another cert. So I think that's eight certainties. Uh, I think so. Three places up for grabs between about six players. 
Yeah, and as we keep saying, it's nigh on impossible to predict who those players are going to be. Um, I've got a strange feeling about this game. I've got a funny feeling. It's going to go to a replay, and we're going to win the replay. Don't say that. I, d- I don't. It's just me gut instinct. I've got. A, I'm thinking maybe possibly a one-one, and we go back to the Liberty Stadium and, and we we beat them there as we did earlier in the season when Ross Barkley scored that cracking free kick. Yeah, and Seamus got the other screamer, which he thought couldn't have been topped, and arguably was by Ross Barkley's finish, wasn't it? It was just a mad little turnaround there. My only, I mean, my only other thought on it is they're still right, as we've said, they're still right in the mix, aren't they, with regards to, you know, battling for the lives. Um, Do you think they might be not, not be bothered about the FA Cup? I think it's probably going to be their second priority. I don't think it's going to be the main priority. Um, you know, staying in the Premier League would be much more financially beneficial to them than winning the FA Cup. Um, you know, they got a taste of silverware last season, so they're not, you know, as hungry as some clubs might be for a, a day out to Wembley. Um, so, yeah, possibly, you know, they might field a, a weakened team, possibly, at the weekend to try and conserve some energy for their uh, relegation battle. It's funny you should say that. Um, we have had many a debate about our uh, lineups for the FA Cup. This isn't going to be one where you'll see uh, Joel and goal, etc., is it? I think you'll see Joel and goal. I do think you? Joel will play every game in the, in the FA Cup. Ah, I can't see it. No, I do. I can't see it for this one. No chance. No chance at all, I, I think. I think he's been promised the FA Cup games. I think he's been promised the FA Cup games against no-mark teams like Stevenage. I yeah. think you'd see Joel right the way through to the final. Yeah. Hmm. If that was to happen. Well, we might. it's not too, not too far away, is it? That's, that's a scary, it's a touching distance. So, a 1-1 and then a replay win. Now, I just want to mention now, there was a bit of an omen this week when I got my hands... On the FA Cup. Yeah. Which I am taking as an omen. Um, basically, the story behind this is, uh, you, some people may have seen this on local news. Um, a friend of mine, uh, basically a bloke called Stay, entered the competition, uh, which involved you know winning tickets or a package for the FA Cup, um, and won the second prize, which was to have a sleepover at his house with the actual genuine FA Cup trophy. <laughs> that you know the one that gets presented at Wembley not a replica the real thing um, so I went up there on Friday night uh, and it was a house full of Evertonians uh, and we all got to have a little play round with the FA Cup and lift the FA Cup was up. there a fella there with like white gloves on like a there was two blokes there with white gloves on you were really anal about the way you hold the cup you can't take the lid off you can't put right being in it you like can't you do this to. you can't do that however after about an hour and a half of them being there they went off to have their evening meal somewhere, leaving the FA Cup in the house, and then we all had it on our head. And you're going to get those you know, the, uh, those fellas the sack. Unlucky. The FA Cup miners are now unemployed. You shouldn't leave you. priceless trophies in a house full of scousers unless you want it to be messed about with. That's their lesson in life. They need to learn. And if that results in them getting sacked, tough. Because you shouldn't have been shouting at the kids for wanting to play with the FA Cup. Um, so yeah, I have lifted the FA Cup this season. And that's an omen that Everton are going to do the same. I lifted the FA Cup. I don't think it was the real one. I think it was the replica one, uh, replica one in 1995. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Proves my point exactly. So, uh, I think it's about time to wind up. Wind down, really, and uh, get our coats on and go and brave those blizzards and get off to Goodison Park. And we're going from uh, a little bit further than we usually go because we're normally sat in players around about now, aren't we? Yeah. 
Um, I can hear that wind howl outside that I'm really not looking forward to this. <laughs> we just hope it's not like the, the last home game where we had the rain blowing in our faces as well because that will be absolutely grim. But uh, we just want to want to wrap up as we say. We love the blues so we can battle through it. Yeah, we can battle. I uh, just want to say, uh, if you have just joined us on YouTube for, for our um, Swansea preview, uh, check out our podcast. It is in the iTunes store. Just search Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can also listen on SoundCloud. Again, search Not Bitter, Just Better. If you follow us on there, the podcast is up every Thursday morning. Um, also, it's on Stitcher for people who might be listening elsewhere in the world or who aren't familiar with SoundCloud or iTunes, which you should be really, shouldn't you? Uh, and we'd like to say, once again, thanks to everyone for listening and thanks for everyone who's been in touch with feedback this week. It's been you know, quite a decent show. Well, it's, always, it's always a decent show. Yeah, you know. But some de- decent feedback and people's decent, uh, good views, you know. Um, we do like to have a little bit of debate and, you know, there you go. There we go. Um, we'll play our music going out and then hopefully we'll have a Crystal Palace uh, rundown at the end of the game. And if it starts off with us sounding really miserable, just switch it off straight away. <laughs> That's my tip. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Blues. Catch you in about two. Up the toffees. So we've just got our coats on. We're about to leave to go to the Palace game. Constantly checking on Sky Sports News. Switched off Sky Sports News. And then literally on our way out the door. And we find out that the uh, Everton versus Crystal Palace game is now off. After being sat here for a couple of hours doing our podcast. Doing the pre-match preview, predictions, team line-up and everything. Nice one. Yeah, we completely messed with our running order for nothing at all. Um, I count myself as being a good Evertonian and I'm actually made off this game is off because looking at the weather outside, it, it is dangerous. Um, so that's it. No Crystal Palace report after all. Yeah, we found out a little bit earlier that the Man City game was called off and I think we were both just by hearing the howling winds outside and various people posting on Facebook and the like about people getting crushed by trees falling over. I think we, uh, we kind of fancied uh, a little uh, cosy night in, not, not together <laughs> for a cosy night in. <laughs> you sound like Malcolm and Wise lying in bed together reading the paper aye, aye, or something um, at least now anyway when we play Crystal Palace we might have a fit striker Hopefully. and after seeing the team selection Morales drop for McGeady um, I'm quite happy this game got called off yeah, Lukaku might be back. God knows where it's going to fit in. Can you, can you even think? I mean, if, if we win on Sunday, there's going to be a lot of fixture build-up, isn't there? There is, yeah. Uh, and in all honesty, I feel so sorry for the Crystal Palace fans who made the long trip up in this weather yeah, to it, find out half an hour before kick-off it's off and have to whinging. travel all the way down to London again. I was whinging about it, saying uh, we put our coats on, we were just about ready to leave. We hadn't even left. So, um, Crystal Palace fans, you know, they're probably in a boozer around uh, Goodison somewhere, aren't they? Um, uh, yeah, just a, it's just one of those, isn't it? So, but yeah. Hopefully, the weather'll be all right for Sunday. I can't see it being as bad as this. Anyway, 
leave it there. Um, we'll have another Crystal Palace preview at some point in the season, <laughs> no doubt. 